0: Chumba ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I've seen pictures of it. And the statue is of a, of a person carving himself out of a block of marble. And at the bottom of the statue, the marquee says, Self-Made Man. People worship anything. Stuff that they create themselves. And yet, as they're worshiping things, hollow things, vain things, worthless things that they've created themselves, while they're doing that, they ignore seemingly the God who created all things right in front of them. The God who created heaven and earth. The God who provided blessing for them. The God who provided food for them. The God who's blessed them with health. The God who's blessed them with a family and with a job. They ignore God who's right in front of them and yet they encounter Him every day in thousands of ways. I firmly believe even people who would deny the existence of God still enjoy His blessing of life. They breathe His air. They enjoy the creation that He made, even though they deny His presence. You realize that even people who don't believe in God, even people who might believe in God but worship other things, they go through life worshiping these, these false hollow empty things and yet God is revealing himself to them right in front of their face in a thousand ways every single day and sometimes we go to God and say God if you were really real would you do this big thing for me would you make this big thing happen and the whole time God is saying I'm showing you myself in a thousand different ways every single day and yet you ignore it that's what the crowd was doing who you follow will guide your life Secondly, receiving the truth takes the blindfold off. Now, what's interesting about Paul is he's speaking the truth in a difficult place. This is his first recorded sermon, by the way, to a non-Jewish crowd. We've seen and we've talked about it in the past how every time Paul was in a Jewish synagogue or around Jews... He, he basically had one um, main way to operate and that was to use the Old Testament to prove that Jesus was Israel's Messiah. He did that over and over and over again. Here's the first time he's not around Jews, but instead he is around all these pagan Gentiles who they don't believe in the God of Yahweh. They don't believe in the Jewish God. They don't believe in the Old Testament. They don't even know what the Old Testament is. like a lot of people today. And so what Paul could do is go to them and begin quoting chapter and verse. And that's what some Christians do today when they're talking to non-Christians. They quote John 3.16 and they quote Romans and they quote all these things. And yet you're, you're talking with someone who has no clue what that is and it really doesn't bear any weight with in their life. But what Paul does in his sermon is very, very intelligent, very, very crafty. And I think it's, it's worthy to notice. Paul, again, says, why are you doing these things? We're also men. You should turn from these vain things to a living God. Now think about this. Who is he talking to? The priest of the temple of Zeus is right there. These people have all their lives worshiped Zeus. And now Paul is telling them that your religion, what you believe in, your God is vain, is hollow, is worthless, is empty. Paul was not a politically correct guy at all. You, you couldn't get away with that today. He'd have 10 different lawsuits coming at him. I mean, could you imagine talking to someone who believed in another religion or didn't believe in religion, but they worshiped Wall Street or they worshiped the media or Hollywood or whatever it is they worship, and telling them, you know what, you believe, and I say this in love, but I say it out of compassion for you, is hollow. There's no meaning to what you, you're living for. There's no meaning to what you're worshiping. Turn from that and worship the God who reveals himself to you every day in a thousand ways. The God who made the stars at night. The God who makes the sun in the daytime. The God who brings you seasons. The God who provides food on the table. Worship that God. There is one God and he has revealed himself. Speaking the truth in a difficult place. Paul rejects their worship and attempts to refocus them on Christ. Now, we'll be tempting for a guy like Paul or Barnabas to do. I mean, think about this. If you're Paul or Barnabas and and the Holy Spirit uses you to, to do a miracle, and at the end of that miracle, people are wanting to worship you and put you on the news and put you on the cover of magazines and all these things, it'd be hard to say no to that. It'd be hard to turn that down. But Paul and Barnabas understand in humility and that's why God used them so much. Hey, it's not about us. It's about Christ. When the spotlight of the world is put on your life, do you absorb that spotlight or do you put a mirror in front of that to shine it back on Christ? That's what they do. Let me just say this as a a side note but it's a very important note because it's what Paul and Barnabas are getting at here is that all miracles, we in our church believe that the Holy Spirit moves today. We believe in miracles and gifts of the Spirit and all those things. However, this is big, all miracles, no matter what they are, all miracles, big, small, must point them, meaning non-believers, to Christ. All miracles must point them to him. That's what's going on here in Acts 14. The Holy Spirit used Paul to perform a miracle, not so that Paul could get worshiped, not so that Paul could be lifted up and, oh, what a great preacher he is, oh, let's go to his church, oh, he has a mega ministry Oh, Paul, the, the spotlight was shining on him, the Holy Spirit used him so that Paul could use this opportunity to shed the message of Christ. All miracles and fame should point to Christ. What's interesting is that he's telling these very people who've worshiped all their life, even the priest, your God is hollow. Your God is worthless. You are surrounded by people who do the same thing. Now, they don't worship Zeus and Hermes. If they do, we have bigger issues on on the table. But they worship hollow, empty things. You know their names. You know where they sit at work. You know where they live, some of your friends and neighbors. You know that their life is consumed with worshiping this one thing. They, they wouldn't ever directly say it. They're not ever going to directly say, yes, I worship money. Yes, I worship my family. Yes, I worship this. Yes, I worship this pastor or this ministry leader or whatever. They would never say it directly. But by their actions, they're influenced by that person or by that thing. And it, I believe it's our duty to show that to them say, hey, don't worship empty, hollow things. Paul is inferring that the worshipers of these other gods are devoted to these hollow things. And today, society would be viewed as intolerant and inflammatory. He'd be all over the news and the media. Paul is not an angry man who said these things to anger people, but rather to get their attention from worshiping a hollow God to worshiping the only true God. He is speaking in earnest love, desiring for them to recognize and acknowledge the one true God. In Paul's understanding, which is our understanding as well as my understanding, there's not many roads that lead to the same destination. Otherwise, Paul would have said, okay, well, hey, listen, I don't want to offend you. You guys worship Zeus and Hermes, and if that works for you, I believe that there's an all-supreme being out there and that we're all going to end up at the same place at the end of time. And, and, you know, if that works for you and you're just a good moral person, okay, you know, you could do that, and I'll just worship Yahweh and everybody gets along and be happy. That's what people say today. That's what, unfortunately, some Christians say today. No, Paul directly confronts them. But he doesn't do it in an inflammatory way or in a way to tick them off. He does it in a compassionate way, in a loving way. And I think even in a cheerful way, he says, guys, don't worship these hollow things. Instead, worship the real God. Don't worship a stone or a statue. Worship the God that gives life, eternal life. Worship the God that gives joy and forgiveness. In Paul's understanding, there's not many paths that lead to the ultimate reality or destination. There's only one path and many deceptive paths counterfeits and that's the truth you understand in this passage it's really in chapter 14 and chapters 13 and 14 of acts their first missionary journey and again it kind of had a mixed results some people received the message of christ some people misunderstood as is the case here and some people try to purposely divide and drag away and that's what the jews were doing The question is, who you follow guides your life. So that's the first. I want you to stop. I want you to think about that. Who influences your life? Who guides your life? Who pours into you? Who, if you had a major decision to make this week, would you contact? Would you call? Would you seek out their advice or their opinion? Who has access to your heart that no one else does? Good, bad, or ugly? Are you just receiving anything they're feeding? Do you filter that? And secondly, for the rest of us who are surrounded by people worshiping vain things, they're worshiping money, they're worshiping status, they're worshiping the stealers, they're worshiping whatever it is that they're worshiping, instead of sometimes cowering down and saying, well, you know, if that works for you and let's just kind of go along to get along, no, we confront them. We don't confront them in an arrogant way or a holier-than-thou way, no. We confront them in a compassionately loving way by saying, listen, You got to take the blindfold off. Don't just believe Zeus and Hermes because you believed it all your life. Don't just believe what Jews from another city tell you. Wait a minute, look to the real God who is revealing himself to you in a thousand ways every day. He's right in front of your face. And I'd love to tell you that when you do that, the people who you tell that to, they're going to believe in Jesus and they're, oh yeah, let's take the blindfold off. I receive that. That's not what happened here. It says in verse 18, even with these words, this powerful sermon, doesn't even use the Bible to point to God. Even with these words, they scarcely restrain the people from offering sacrifices to them. But nonetheless, Paul used a miracle not to point to him, but point to Christ. Worship team's going to come back and begin to play. You have to understand when you're sharing the message of Christ some people are going to receive it and we see that in chapters 13 and 14. Some people will misunderstand as the case is here and some people will purposely try to divide and take away like verse 19 says but the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium having persuaded the crowds they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city thinking he was dead. Our job as we're helping people take the blindfold off, our job as we are helping people receive the truth of Christ isn't to force them to receive it, isn't making sure they receive it. We can't control that. That's between them and the Holy Spirit. Our job is to show them Christ, share the message of Christ. What happens after that is between them and him. Jesus gives a wonderful story about this parable, example of this, Matthew chapter 13 I encourage you to read that it's it's called the a story that he gives or a parable of of the sower and Jesus says that when people sow a seed which is the message of Christ sometimes it falls on hard soil that it doesn't really take root sometimes it falls on good soil and, and people begin to grow and receive the message but after a while things come and it and it perverts their mind it chokes their thinking and they fall away and sometimes it falls on good soil we see that here in Paul's first missionary journey, Acts 13 and 14. I see it as well. Maybe you're out there and you actively tell people about Christ. You have a passion like I do to share the message of Jesus, not because I'm a Christian, not because I'm a pastor, but because he changed my life. And if he can change someone like me, he can change anyone. And I just say to you, don't get discouraged when people seemingly don't receive the message. Don't get discouraged when you've tried and you've tried to tell them the truth, but but it backfired and it didn't work out the way that you had hoped. Paul faced that. Jesus told us to expect that. But instead, be faithful to the truth. Be faithful. There's not many roads that lead to the same God. Listen, Allah is not the same God that we worship. Doesn't work. Mormonism, not the same God perverted truths counterfeits and we have to be bold enough how through the power of the holy spirit like paul and barnabas to tell people it's our job it's our responsibility but we do it lovingly why because again people will believe anything some of you are are like i am and you can be a little gullible and if we come and tell you that uh, we saw bigfoot okay There's people that that would believe that. I'm not saying it's real or not, but there's people that, oh, I I believe that Well, you said, and they just believe anything. We have to be careful that we're telling people, listen, just because you read it in the newspaper or you see it on TV or the the, the absolute truth of all, the internet, just because you see it in these places and somebody wrote a blog about it and there's some self-proclaimed expert doesn't mean it's true. Just because they can have a PhD after their name, before their name, doesn't mean they're an expert, doesn't mean that they have the truth of Christ in their life. But we do. And by speaking the truth of Christ, we can help take that blindfold off. Who you follow will guide your life. you've got to speak the truth in difficult places. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would continue to work in our heart that our heart and mind would not be hard against you and stone cold but would be warm and would be fertile that we would receive your word and your truth with gladness and produce fruit that honors you help us father to know who we are following to know who influences our life that those people those men and women would be godly men and women who are helping guide us deeper in a love with you and closer to you And help us, Father, at people who are following us, that we're guiding them closer and deeper in you. And help us, Father, to be like Paul and Barnabas, to be bold and speak the truth in difficult places, to show people that God is everywhere around you, revealing himself to you in a thousand ways every day. You just need to take that blindfold off. Quit believing what everybody else is telling you and seek the God in front of you of your face not a God that you made not a God that's in a bank account not a God that's in your house not a God that's in your social status but the God who created you and the only God by the way who died for you and is alive again and has a plan for your life we love you and thank you Father now Father I ask that you would bless every person that is here may you bless our coming in and our going out may your face shine brightly upon us May you help us to be a biblically healthy, fruit-producing church that changes lives in our communities. Father, through a greater hunger of your presence and power of the Holy Spirit, through a greater passion, Lord, to study and live by and obey the truth of your word and not compromise, and a passion to reach and serve the lost. We love you and we thank you. We give this day to you and we're nothing without you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.